0: Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Secrets of Scotland Yard with your host and narrator, Clive Brook. Brought to you by the Mutual Broadcasting System in cooperation with Relaxacizer, with a special free offer to ladies who would like to reduce at home without diet or drugs. XLAX, America's largest selling laxative and... How do you do? This is Clive Brook. Here is the story of Charles Peace, musician and murderer. (laughs) Just over 70 years ago in Manchester, England, a man named William Habron was on trial for the murder of police constable Nicholas Cock. The jury were out considering their verdict, and in the court itself the usual debates were raging as to what that verdict would be.
1: Uh, look, mister, I don't know you, I'm afraid, but uh, what would you say to a little bet on verdict? I say this man Eberlin will get off. I'll take your bet with great pleasure. I think and I hope that he'll hang. Right. Five shillings. Make it ten. I'll give you three to one. Done with you, sir. Uh, Beg pardon, but uh, what makes you so sure? I've never heard such a flimsy lot of evidence. Just because he was heard threatening the policeman the day before and and just because his boot happened to fit that mark left in the
2: mud, those aren't the things that matter to me. A man looks like a murderer, and I think the jury are convinced.
3: Do you find the prisoner at the bar guilty or not guilty of the murder of Police Constable Cock on the 27th of July last? We find him guilty.
0: It was odd that the winner of the bet should have been so positive of Habron's guilt for he was the one man in England who knew that Habron was innocent. He knew this because he himself, it was, who had shot and killed the policeman three months previously. The winner of the bet was Charles Peace and it was completely in keeping with his character that he should attend the trial of the man who was sentenced to death for a crime that he, Peace, had committed. At this time, Charles Peace was 44 years of age. He was ugly with a maimed hand and a permanent limp. His father had been a wild beast tamer but had failed to tame young Charles who grew up into a brutal and unruly ruffian with a passion for playing the violin. One day in the same year as the Haberan tribe...
3: Yes? What is it? Uh, sorry to bother you, Mr. Peace. Uh, me and my wife live in the house opposite. Uh, my name's Dyson, uh, Arthur Dyson. I'm an engineer. How do you do?
1: This beautiful lady is your wife? Uh,
3: yes.
4: Oh, we heard that you made picture frames, Mr. Peace, and wondered if you'd make some for uh, us. There's
1: nothing I wouldn't
3: do for such a charming lady as you,
4: Mrs.
1: Dyson.
3: Ah. Well, look then, Mr. Peace. Uh, we've made a note of the size of the frame we want. So would you go ahead with a couple, and we'll see if we want any more?
2: Yes. Uh, You may call for them in a couple of days. Goodbye. Uh,
1: Goodbye, Mrs. Tyson.
4: Oh, goodbye, Mr. Pease. I'll call for them the day after tomorrow.
0: he set to work with a will. Perhaps he enjoyed making picture frames, or was it actually that Mrs. Dyson was a singularly attractive woman? In any case, the frames were ready when she called two days later. Arthur Dyson watched for some weeks while Charles Peace made himself more and more of a nuisance. Finally, sick of having the man continually at his door, in and out of the house, or waiting for Mrs. Dyson in the street, Arthur Dyson wrote out on a card, Charles Peace is requested not to interfere with my family, and threw it into Peace's garden. By way of answer, Peace tried to trip Dyson up in the street and threatened to kill both him and his wife with the revolver that he then produced. Dyson went to the police.
3: And for six weeks he's been pestering my wife with his attentions. He knows he can no longer come into my house by ordinary means, so he dresses up as a woman and pretends he wants to sell Mrs. Dyson something. I've twice caught him peeking through keyhole of our front door. So you see, officer, I've good cause to take out this summons against him. To be doubly sure that he leaves us alone, we're moving to another part of Sheffield. And when the Dysons went to
0: move into their new house, they were met by Charles Peace coming out of it. He ran off as they approached, but he was back that night.
4: Oh, you wicked man. Don't you know there's a summons against you? How dare you come back to bother us? I came back
0: for you,
2: Nelly. You coming away with me?
4: Coming away with... You must be mad.
2: No good you calling me things. Are you coming with me? Got quite a bit of money, my love, and just you and I... I
4: don't know what you think you're saying. Now go away from here, Charles.
2: I'm asking you for the last time, Nellie. Are you coming?
4: If you don't go away from here this minute, Charles Peace, I'll call...
2: No, up. you won't. Not when you've seen this. It's a pistol, my dear. And either you do as I say, or... <laughs>
3: What's this? What? Why, you, scoundrel? How dare you come back here Good or...
2: evening, Mr. Dyson. I shouldn't come any nearer if I
3: were you. Threaten me, would you? Look,
4: I I a gun. <coughs> ah.
0: <coughs> the one shot hit the house. The other went through Arthur Dyson's brain. Charles Peace had committed his second murder, and this time there was no one else to be tried in his place. He was known to be the culprit. Hugh and Cry were raised... A hundred pounds was offered as a reward for his capture, but no trace of him could be found. A year went by. Mrs. Dyson went to America. It seemed as though her husband's murder would remain unavenged. It was during these two years following the Dyson murder that Charles Peace became the legendary figure that he is today. We are assured that Sherlock Holmes once said, My old friend Charles Peace was a violin virtuoso. But the murderer had other talents as well. Reciting, for
2: instance. Fight for a plot whereon the numbers cannot try the cause, which is not tomb enough and continent to hide the slain. Oh, from this time forth, my thoughts be bloody or be nothing worth. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Now, my friends, after those magnificent words of our greatest poet, I would like to play you a violin solo of a song by one of our great musicians, Sir Henry Bishop. Home, sweet home.
0: Billing himself as the second Paganini Or the great Ethiopian musician Charles Peace toured the country for a while Before taking up permanent residence in London The police dossier of his escapades Became larger and larger Why then was he never arrested? But he was There was one famous occasion
1: You know Bill The sooner we get this bloke to Scotland Yard The happier I'll be Yes, he's a tricky devil Can't trust him an inch Well don't speak too loud You might wake him even with him tart to you by uncuff, I prefer to keep him asleep. <laughs> he looks just like a monkey. Uh, he smells
2: like one. You might open the windows, don't you think?
1: Yeah, right you are. Uh, mm. oh, stop. Uh, mm. yeah, hold the strap a minute.
2: I've got it. Try hanging at the top. Right. Hey, here. I... Oh, no, you got not oh, Stop him, Bill. He's got to jump from the train. Goodbye, gentlemen. Uh, Have a pleasant journey to the yard. Pull the communication call.
0: elusive Charles Peace leapt from the train. In a moment, we'll continue with more of the secrets of Scotland Yard. With his remarkable ability to disguise his features, Charles Peace overcame the limp and the crippled hands that might otherwise have helped Scotland Yard to capture him. They look only at your face, he once said. If your face is different, the rest of you is different. He eventually used walnut juice to bring about a permanent change in his appearance. At about that time, strangely enough, a respectable old gentleman had taken up residence in Peckham, a suburb in the south of London. Calling himself Mr. John Thompson, he had moved in with his current wife, Jean, a Mrs. Ward, whom he is pleased to call his housekeeper, and a considerable collection of dogs, cats, and violins.
2: Quiet, you pups! Quiet! Down, down! <laughs> Thank you, Jean, my dear. Thank you. It was charming. You, you do play well.
4: That's a new fiddle you're using, Charlie.
2: Yes, I uh, picked it up yesterday. Oh, nine o'clock already. Mr. Snell will be coming in soon. Is Mrs. Ward joining us for a trio? She is. Really, Jean, I wish you could get over this sulky attitude towards Birdie just because I married her before I met you.
4: I don't mind that, Charlie. It's your keeping her here in the house. What's wrong in that?
2: No one thinks of her as anything but my housekeeper.
4: It's not very pleasant for me. Oh, there's that silly old Mr. Snell. Don't
2: be so rude about our neighbour. He's important to my position in local society, and don't forget... My name's John, not Charlie.
4: Oh, Mr. Thompson. Mr. Snell is here to see you.
2: Come in, Snell, come in. Oh, good evening, Thompson. Uh, don't go away, Mrs. Ward. You, you don't mind my housekeeper staying, do you, Snell? I thought we'd have a trio later on. Oh, delightful,
4: delightful. I uh, thank you, Mr. Thompson. If you're sure Mrs. Thompson won't mind, <laughs> you don't need to ask my permission. It's Charlie's house. <laughs>
2: I always love it when you call me Charlie, my dear. Uh, and a nickname, Miss Snell, a nickname that my wife calls me.
4: <laughs> oh, delightful.
2: Delightful. I sent that letter off to the Admiralty, Thompson. I've given them full details of the invention. Oh, well, I hope they'll buy it. What
4: exactly is this invention of yours, Mr. Snell? Well, briefly, Mrs. Thompson, it's a method of raising sunken vessels by the displacement of
2: the water within them by means of air and gases. Uh, your husband's help to me has been invaluable. Uh, invaluable. Now we've written to the Admiralty offering to raise two ships that were sunk some time ago. You
4: don't really think they'll accept it, do you, Chuck? Uh,
2: <laughs> Mr.
4: Thompson. And why shouldn't they accept it, Mrs. Ward? What do you know about it, anyway? Well, of course, if I'm going to be insulted I. Uh, now, by a-
2: now, ladies, please. We have a guest. Uh, shall I play
4: for you? I shouldn't think Mr. Snell wants to listen to us. No, 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 please play. Uh, I'd be delighted, delighted.
0: It was after charming domestic scenes such as this... ...that Charles Peace, for of course he was Mr Thompson... ...committed most of his burglaries. On this particular night he slipped out of the house on one of his expeditions... ...and a few hours later two policemen patrolling in Blackheath... ...another London suburb saw something rather suspicious.
2: oh try to trap me, would you? Well, I don't keep this toy strapped to my wrist for nothing...
3: Is you all right, Rob? Yes, Jack, he missed me. Now, you'd better come quietly, mister.
2: No, oh, so there are two of you, are there? Keep back. Keep back. Oh,
3: Stay sure. okay. It's no use, my friend. You can't...
2: Oh. Oh. Don't worry, Rob. I got him this time. Oh. No, you don't, mister. I got you now. He didn't hit you, did he, Rob? Rob. Rob!
0: Peace had nearly committed his third murder. Luckily, the shots were not fatal, and police Constable Robinson pulled through in hospital later. At the station, the captured burglar gave his name as John Ward, his age is 60. A set of housebreaking tools was found in his pocket. He was remanded for a week and then committed for trial at the Old Bailey. While waiting in prison, Peace, still calling himself John Ward, wrote to Mr. Snell, the inventor, asking him to visit in prison a poor, broken, unfortunate man. Now, Mr. Snell did not know anyone called John Ward. But out of curiosity, he visited the prison all the same. To his astonishment, he found that his correspondent was none other than his old friend and neighbour, Thompson. He immediately told the police who went straight to the Thompson's address.
4: Yes, what is it now?
1: Beg pardon, madam, I'm Inspector Kelvin, Scotland Yard. Are you Mrs. Thompson?
4: Suppose. Anyway, I'm the only one left in the house. That pesky cat of a first wife of his has cleared off and taken most of Charlie's valuables with her.
1: Charlie? I thought this man's... Thompson's Christian name was John.
4: Lord, didn't you know? His name isn't Ward or John or Thompson or anything else he likes to tell you. He's Charlie Peace, the man you've been looking for for two years over that Dyson murder. So you didn't know who you had in your prison, eh?
1: Well, no, ma'am. To be quite frank,
4: we didn't. Well, in that case, to be quite frank, I'd like the £100 reward you've offered for information on his whereabouts.
0: Having been found guilty, the law was not through with him yet. Scotland Yard had checked the facts given to them by Mrs Thompson, and a second trial was now on its way. A trial of Charles Peace for the murder two years previously of Arthur Dyson. When Peace in a battered condition, was turned over by his warders to the Sheffield police for examination before the trial,
1: uh, handing over the prisoner, Charles Priest, to you, sir, for examination, we just brought him up from London.
3: Oh, I'm glad you told me his name. I can hardly see him for bandages. What happened to him?
1: Well, sir, he tried to repeat a trick he played a year ago. He was on the train and somehow managed to slip his hand out of the handcuff and then flung himself through the window. How fast was the train travelling? About fifty miles an hour, sir standing for a man of 60
3: but he didn't get away
1: no sir i managed to grab his boot the other warder pulled the alarm signal prisoner was dragged along some way which
3: accounts for the bandages
1: yes sir uh, frankly sir i don't think he's as badly hurt as he pretends to be uh, sounds just like him well, he's an awful faker <laughs> well thank you sergeant
3: uh, thank you sir oh and uh happy new year to you sir thank you the same to you I don't think it'll be a particularly pleasant or a particularly long one for Mr. Peace.
0: Mrs. Dyson, whom Charles Peace had found so difficult to let alone, had been brought all the way from America to give evidence against him. Peace seemingly retained none of his former feeling for her. Wrapped in rugs, complaining continually of his bruises and aches, he arraigned his examiners. mustn't believe her.
2: I have lots of witnesses who can prove that that bad base woman had threatened my life and had threatened her husband's life. I I, I can't talk to you. I'm so bad. My head, I I feel very bad. That horrible misery of a woman often threatened to kill me. She pointed pistols and things at me and her husband. She's wicked to the core. Wicked, wicked.
0: Oh, yes, Charles' Peace was quite an actor. His exploits, his escapes, his disguises, his love affairs, all these had captured the imagination of the public. It was therefore a huge crowd that gathered in the Leeds courtroom to witness his trial.
1: Prisoner at the bar, I pass upon you the only sentence...
2: Have mercy, O
1: Lord! I pass upon you the only sentence... Mercy!
2: Have mercy, O Lord! ...the only sentence
1: that fits the crime you have committed, which is that you be taken to a place of exile.
0: In his cell before the execution, Charles Bees confessed to the murder of police constable cock two years before, the murder for which another man had been sentenced to death.
2: is and heard William Hebron sentenced to death. I even had a bet on the verdict. Now, sir, you're a clergyman, I know. Perhaps you will say I was a hardened wretch for allowing an innocent man to suffer for my crime. So what man would have done otherwise in my position? I should certainly have been hanged for the crime. Now, I tell you this, but I feel that I have nothing further to
3: gain by secrecy. It is right that you should have confessed this. Have you anything further that you wish to say to me? I wish you to
2: let the world know that I hope no one will taunt or jeer at my wife and children on my account, but will have mercy on them.
0: The Broadcasting System has presented The Secrets of Scotland Yard with your host and narrator Clive Brooks.